might want to get your notebooks out because we're going to get into tonight's talk. We're looking at uh, another in our topics in the Not Impolite Company series. If you haven't joined us in this series so far, basically we're talking about topics that you, know, you wouldn't talk about, say, during an interview for a retail position. No, it's just not going to come up uh, under those circumstances. Um, and so far, we've basically covered politics and sex. And so tonight, we're going to look at the topic of romance. And I guess of all the topics in this series, this is probably the most polite. I'm not promising to talk about it in a polite way. I won't be. But it is probably the most polite out of the lot. Nonetheless, um, it is a little bit M-rated at times, so if you've got kids here, please be aware of that. Um, and at the end of the service tonight, we'll be doing what we're doing in every service in this series, which is having question and answer. So me and a couple of other people will be happy to take your questions. We can't promise good answers, but we will promise attempted answers. Uh, you can do that in a couple of ways. One is that there'll be um, a roving microphone and you can just ask your question at the time. Or you can text them in at any point during the service on that phone number there. That's just a sort of... There's no contacts in the phone that receive that, so everything's anonymous. We delete all the messages at the end of the night. Um, but that's one way you can do it. And usually what I recommend is, if, you, if the question pops up while I'm talking, type it in, but don't press send straight away, because I might answer the question before we get to the end. But when I get to the end of the talk and you go, that question's still relevant, hit send, and we'll attempt to... We can't promise to answer all of them, but we'll give it a go at the end of the night. Okay, so romance. For most youth and young adults, romance... When we think about romance, it really comes hand in hand with dating. You know, sort of there's, a, there's a big connection there. Uh, and it's, dating is this recent historical phenomenon, actually. It's quite, you know, it hasn't been around for that long. Um, probably, oh, I don't know exactly, but I think it'd only be about 100, 150 years where it's sort of been a thing. And uh, so to get us thinking, let's hear what two scientists have to say about the topic of dating. So there you go, dating, right? You know, it's, this is going to be a bit of a thing we're talking about tonight. Thank, thanks to those guys for setting us up so well. Uh, now, if, you, if you're out of that zone, if you're out of the dating zone, right, please don't think that, oh, this is my opportunity to check out and sort of uh, bludge my way through, right? Because you might be going, oh, I'm married, I don't really sort of, you know, I'm not really in the dating zone anymore. Uh, but if you think about it, if you, what you believe about romance during the dating period, uh, that will highly influence what you believe about romance when you're married. So it's still going to be relevant uh, to you and hopefully will be helpful in reflecting on your relationship. You might be thinking, well, I'm not actually dating anyone at the moment, so who cares? Uh, it's like, yeah, well, you might. You might want, you know, later down the track, uh, you might be dating someone. Or some people might even be committed for being single for the rest of their life, so committed to not uh, dating anyone uh, into the future, uh, which is totally fine, good position to be in. Um, but as we'll see tonight, romance and our ideas about romance have a lot to do with love. And love is something that everyone needs to pay attention to, uh, no matter who you are, at what age you are, and what sort of relationship you are or aren't in. In fact, the definition of romance uh, includes love in it. Uh, romance is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. And so what I want to do tonight uh, to start us off is to think a little bit about the differences between romance and love and the similarities between romance and love. Because often I think our culture presents them as pretty much the same thing. Uh, romance is love. 
uh, love is romance. One reason for this, I think, is the English language. Okay, so uh, most languages have lots of different words to describe the different types of love. So, for example, they'd have one word to describe the love a parent might have for their child and another word to describe the love between two friends and, and, and you know, so on and so forth. In English, we don't really have that. We just have love as the sort of cover, try to cover all the bases and you have to work out from context uh, or the, the emoji being used in the text message which sort of love people are talking about. So we come up with these weird rules, right? It is a known fact that spelling love, L-U-V, is less intense than spelling it properly, L-O-V-E. Everybody knows this. Even if they can't tell you why, we all know it's a fact. Right? So, we, so we have to do these sort of you know, weird things with the language. Um, and I think we are aware that there are more types of love than just romantic sort of I'm into you, you're into me sort of uh, love. Um, what I'm saying, though, and what I'd argue is that the connection between romance and love is a lot stronger in popular culture than it is in the Bible, and that we often pick that up, consciously or subconsciously, and it presents us with some really interesting challenges. Now, for those of you who are here in the lead-up to the service for our warm-up video this evening, you're probably wondering why we showed John Farnham's classic 80s hit, well, the song was classic, I'm not sure about the video clip, uh, Take the Pressure Down. Was it to bring back that hairstyle? Uh, or tight blue denim jeans, uh, or that weird sort of horrible editing that they had in that clip. Now, it's got nothing to do with that. The reason we played that clip at the start is because we want to focus on this idea of taking the pressure down. Okay? So that's the name of the song, Take the Pressure Down. He repeats it all the way through, and I'm going to repeat that a fair bit tonight. Take the pressure down. Because our culture puts so much pressure on us uh, in the area of romance, in the area of dating, and I honestly believe that God wants us to chill out, to relax, to take the pressure down in this area of life. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus gets asked a question that's designed to test him. The question is basically saying, hey, Jesus, of all God's commands, and you know, there's quite a lot of them if you sort of sift through the whole Bible, but of all God's commands, uh, which is the most important? If you have to pick one, which is the most important? And this is Jesus' reply. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the two most important things that a follower of God can do both involve love. And, and Jesus just all, all you know, he's about love all the time, right? And so... You might go, ah, well, Jesus agrees with like pop songs that say, all you need is love. Uh, and I guess, sort of, but usually the definition in a pop song of love is this romantic type of love. There's no hint of it being romantic uh, in this sense, that, that's specifically that sort of love. That's not, there's not a hint of that at all. If we think of more famous words uh, in the Bible, uh, words of Jesus in uh, John chapter 3, verse 16... This is about God's love for us. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's often quoted, potentially to the point of being cliche, but it nicely sums up God's love for us. And then, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, actually puts our love, 
and God's love together and says, well, whoever does, uh, does not love does not know God because God is love. Again, does this sort of love have anything to do with romance? Uh, maybe a little bit. You can maybe make some vague connections, but that's certainly not the main type of love that we're on about there. But our culture says something different. Our culture says, you know what? Falling in love is the solution to all your problems. Parents will say, you know, say, take a, take a, I've heard parents say this, like, um, uh, I'm quoting, right? Where perhaps their son's not doing too well, you know, uh, in life, having a few troubles or whatever, and they'll say something like, he just needs to meet a nice young lady, as if that will sort of, you know, take the young person. You could do exactly the same thing, you know, a, a daughter struggling just needs to meet a nice young man, as if that's going to be the solution to the, all the challenges they're going through. And then the flip side of this idea, which is so prevalent, is that if you're not in a romantic relationship, you're kind of a loser and you're really sort of not, you know, moving forward in life. Um, and this is just shoved down our throats and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Movies, music, fiction, they all just tell us all this stuff all the time. I think, to be fair, it's often a well-meaning message. It's often people trying to be positive about, about romance and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I think often, you know, it actually, overall, I think it leads to some really unhelpful ideas and, and just problems. <laughs> For Christians, I think, as a generalisation, we are too quick to connect this romantic idea of love that our culture has with the love that God has for us. Um, you know, it's, that's not wrong to do under certain circumstances, but I think we do it too often and too quickly. So grab your Bibles out. There should be some blue Bibles on the ledges in front of you uh, or you might like to use a Bible app. If you've got a smartphone, you can find them at that address if you haven't got one installed. Page 547. We're going to look at the first few verses of the Book of Song of Songs. This is the most romantic book in the Bible. Okay, So it's, it's got romance the whole way through. If you want to see um, a positive view of romance in the Bible, then this is the place to go. Uh, it's basically the whole thing's a poem and it's uh, got, got different voices in it. And so sometimes it's sort of told from the perspective of the lady in the relationship. Sometimes it's told from the perspective of the man in the relationship. And so the opening verses, you might even have a little heading there in your Bible saying she. Uh, and so that's indicating that this is the, the lady's voice. So listen to these romantic sounding words. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Now, this isn't like an analogy for our relationship with God. This is, you know, focusing on romantic love between two people. And it presents a very positive picture, this whole, this whole book, of a romantic relationship. The two people involved are really into each other and that's seen as a good thing. So please don't hear me saying tonight that romance is bad or that romance is stupid, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I think it needs to come, uh, you know, be put in its rightful place underneath the love that Jesus talks about in those great commandments. What's the most important thing? Love for God. Next most important thing, love for other people. Romance then comes somewhere Romantic love then comes somewhere 
underneath. And so tonight, I thought what I'd do is to reflect on a few of my own experiences of romance growing up as a young lad and uh, see what the Bible might have to say about them. So, this is what I looked at like in high school. Uh, <laughs> I actually realised today, I'm actually at a fancy dress party and you had to come dressed as some, a famous person who had the same name as you. So I'm actually dressed as Captain Kirk from Star Trek, which back then was really daggy, but because of the rebooted movies, it's a bit cooler now. Uh, but it was definitely daggy then. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I, in high school, I was in no doubt that I was heterosexual and girls were where it was at for me. And I had a crush on many, 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 many different girls throughout my six years there. Pretty much any girl who treated me nicely, I got a crush on them. That was sort of the way it worked. And our school was very diverse. People from all sorts of different backgrounds. That didn't matter to me. Didn't matter, uh, you know, shape, size, skin colour, background, all that sort of stuff. I liked them all. <laughs> but confidence was an issue for me. In my case, a complete lack of confidence. I was just too scared to ask anyone out. You might go, well, why were you scared? Or why, why would anyone be scared to ask someone out? Well, for starters, I was going through puberty. And it's a known fact that puberty makes you awkward. It just does. This is, what, this is puberty. It's not your fault. It's God's fault. <laughs> he makes our bodies grow in all sorts of unexpected ways. Our voices change. Uh, we get sort of unattractive things growing in our body, like pubic hair and pimples and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and then boys, being a boy, you had to deal with the, uh, you know, a few extra challenges. For starters, your voice changes a lot, right? And sometimes you end up screeching like a sick parrot during a conversation where you're trying to be really cool. Uh, and then there's the even worse issue of unexpected and unwelcome erections. Now, boys, we've all been there. You know, a female friend gives you a hug, uh, and it would be nice just to enjoy that for what it is, a bit of affection between friends. But you know that you've got to focus 100% on not getting a stiffy in that situation. <laughs> That's what you've got to do. Now look, I'll take, the, I'll, take that is, I'll take that challenge over the pains of childbirth, right? <laughs> Definitely a preference. But, but it is, just for you ladies to know, it is a really big issue for, for guys. They have to focus on yeah, this sort of thing quite a lot. So puberty makes it very hard for you to approach the challenge of romantic relationships in a calm, sort of sophisticated, cool way. You know, we'd like to sort of approach it in a sort of, hey, how are you doing, sort of way. But puberty sort of makes it go, <laughs> you know, that's sort of my interpretation of how it all works. It's hard to put on a good show during puberty. Um, but romance, if you think about it, is often about putting on a good performance, putting on a good show. Um, people will only go out with you if you meet sort of certain expectations. I'm not actually saying that's wrong, but it's definitely the way it is. And so I fancied this girl in Year 9, and I was far too nervous to ask her out because of my aforementioned lack of confidence. And some friends were pressuring me. They would saw that it was a bit of chemistry or whatever. And so they were like, we'll ask her out for you. And so I sort of, you know, okay, it's not a recommended strategy, don't do it. Um, but anyway, she said that she, she did like me, but she just wanted to stay friends. We got friend-zoned. 
<laughs> it's like, oh. So she does like me, but doesn't want to go out me. What? What? You know, it's very confusing. And so I started wondering, oh, this doesn't happen to other boys. What have they got that I don't? Maybe it was their undercut hairstyle, which was trendy at the time. I thought, oh, it was probably not that. Maybe it was their massive baggy jeans, which was also trendy at the time, but no, I don't think it was that. I got some anyway, and it didn't fix it. Uh, so my conclusion was they had more confidence than I did, and that if I didn't feel the confidence deep down, I just had to fake it. So I started to sort of try that out a little bit, little bit acting more confident, talking myself up a bit more, uh, and you know, just to see what would happen and see if I could come across as more impressive. Well, one time there was a bunch of us walking home from school, and do you ever have that situation where people are talking about you and they think you can't hear, but you can definitely hear? I had one of those situations. I was in the front group walking, and there was a bunch of girls, including this girl who had knocked me back earlier, they were talking about me. And they're talking about how recently I'd become really annoying, and like they used to like me, but now I, was, now I wasn't a very nice person. And they were right, actually, because becoming sort of this fake confident thing it just made me a bit of a jerk, actually, and sort of really, you know, really up myself. Uh, and so, I, you know, I was reflecting on that, uh, this story, and I thought, you know, if I had my time over again, I probably would have turned around, I would have interrupted them, and I would have actually just um, apologised for my behaviour. And so I was just, just doing it to impress you, and, you know, clearly that, that hasn't worked, so I'll, I'll just go, I'm sorry about that, and I'll just go back to being myself. Um, now, I didn't do that for two reasons. One, I was nowhere near mature enough to have that sort of reflection. Uh, but also, that is socially very risky. And for a person with a complete lack of confidence in that area, that was not going to happen. So I pretended it didn't happen. But anyway, um, it would have been good to do. I think it would have taken the pressure down. If I just had to admit that I'd been faking it, and I was just going to go back to being me, that would have been a taking the pressure down sort of moment. Unfortunately, um, yeah, I only thought about it 20 years later. So I guess part of the reason for all the nerves and the lack of confidence and everything is that our culture presents a bit of an idea of perfection when it comes to going out with someone. Uh, so you hear people say, you two are perfect for each other. Or, in fact, this is a true story, my grade two teacher went on a TV show uh, where people like got matched up with each other, called perfect match, right? So there's this idea that like you can actually find a perfect person for you, or you know people who are perfect together. Um, so you go, oh, okay, is is this is it true? Can you find a perfect match? Turn to the person next to you and discuss for 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> All right, that's enough. General consensus. Who thinks there is such a thing as a perfect match? Who thinks there isn't? Yeah. If you put your hand up for the first one, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, normally we get a bit of interaction with this, but you're definitely wrong. Uh, and, and so, because you can't find one perfect person on the planet, right? It doesn't exist. The, the potential to find two perfect people who just happen to be in the same period in history, uh, who happened to fancy each other, who happened to like, live locally enough that they could meet accidentally. It's sort of, like, this is ridiculous. Like, it's, it's not a true idea. Uh, it's impossible to find. Um, there's only one perfect person, and that is God. You know, logically, uh, assuming God exists, he is the only perfect person. 
He doesn't actually expect perfection from us. He's got it covered. But I do wonder, and you could ask yourself this question, how much do you spend trying to... Time and energy do you spend trying to achieve a perfect performance for other people, you know, putting on a perfect version of yourself? Or just thinking about your performance generally. How much effort do you put into impressing people, to getting them to like you? Um, God, he doesn't care that much about that sort of stuff. He would like you to take the pressure down if you are in that zone. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, a good one to remember to write down. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to perform for God. He shows us love even when we're sinning, even when we're doing bad stuff, even when we're doing evil, we're rejecting him, we're living in ways he doesn't want us to live. He shows us love then, not after we've performed, but before we change our actions. There's no pressure to perform with God. And we don't need to carry that into our other relationships. I guess another reason I lacked confidence in the dating zone was that I feared rejection. So despite fancying a whole bunch of girls, many, 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 uh, I only plucked up the coverage to ask out two of them. Well, as you saw, someone else asked out the first one. Uh, And then uh, I asked someone out. And then there was a third time where I literally bailed in the middle of asking, like because of nerves. And 20 years later, I still cringe about that one. Uh, but, you know, I got knocked back every time, right? So my confidence wasn't helped by a 100% rejection record. Um, if you've never been rejected, I'm aware that some people have never been knocked back uh, when they've asked someone out. Uh, this is what a rejection looks like in basketball. Just pay attention to what happens to number 13 in the blue. Okay, if you're not familiar with basketball, that's a bad thing to happen to you. And uh, so... You know, just put that in a sort of relationship context. That's sort of what rejection feels like. Uh, it's not pleasant. Anyway, um, again, the reality of romance is that people might reject you. You might ask someone out, they might say no, or you might start going out and then they'll break up with you later, or maybe you'll say no to somebody or you'll break up with someone after you've been going out for a while. It's always a possibility. And when I experienced it, It had me questioning if people actually liked me. Will anyone say yes? Will anyone want to go out with me? Those sort of questions will inevitably go around inside your head. But again, there's no risk of rejection when we turn to God and we seek a relationship with God. Let's just put Romans 5, 8 back up there. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... When you're sinning, you're rejecting God. So while we were rejecting him, he was sending his son to die for us. He doesn't reject us under any circumstances. So that's sort of the pre-dating process. But just, okay, let's talk about like if you actually, someone goes, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. What do you do then? And it's happened to me. After high school, this amazing thing happened. A girl asked me out. Which is pretty good. It's like, oh, what do you do now? <laughs> like, oh, where do we go from here? Never made it this far. Oh, uh, oof. Oh, um, hmm. Ah, well, I worked in media at the time, worked in radio, and they're constantly giving us free movie tickets. So I had a couple, like, for the next week or something. So I'm like, oh, do you, you want to go to that? Do you want to go? And she said, yes, success. All right, first date, locked in. 
In the car, though, I changed the plan. We're on the way there. I picked her up. The tickets were for a movie called Cradle to the Grave. Now, there's a sequel came out recently. Let's just have... It'll give you, the trailer will give you a, a good idea of what sort of movie it is. Okay, that's probably enough. That's probably enough. You get the idea. So I began to wonder, I wonder if Cradle to the Grave will be a good date movie. It does star someone called DMX. So I was looking at the cinema times and the movie times. There was another movie out, same time, called Save the Last Dance. So we saw that instead. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible movie, but a good date decision. Um, <laughs> there is no deep theological point there. Just a little bit of a dating tip from your old buddy, Kirk. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, you know those, the, that video we watched at the start, you know, I'm not sure if those guys were real scientists, but what I think they actually did was accurately picked up the sort of awkwardness and sort of uncertainty that can come in, sort of in, in an early dating situation. Um, and, you know, it's not like our issues of lack of confidence insecurity, fear of rejection, they don't go away. They're like heightened because you're like with the person and it's just you and them, you know. And it doesn't even go away when you're married. Like hopefully it diminishes, but, uh, you know, you still carry your insecurities with you even if you're sort of at that level of commitment in a relationship. Um, plus, embarrassing stiffies can still karate the party at any point, so you need to be careful of that. Now, one way to take the pressure down while you're dating is not to focus on performing, you know, and putting on a good show uh, uh, and worrying about rejection. It's actually to go, Let's, I'm going to try and take a relaxed attitude into this. Take the pressure down. Let's just enjoy each other's company. Don't pretend that you're someone who you're not. Don't try and be a perfect date. You're not. You're not a perfect date. You won't be, don't even, you don't even put that pressure on you. Um, you know, so when we're thinking, thinking about this, this is a way to take the pressure down and hopefully this can help you. If you take that mindset in, it won't remove the insecurities, uh, but I think it can help you trust more in your relationship with God and less in sort of, you know, whatever our culture is expecting from us. Because it can get quite negative. Romantic love can easily become selfish. I had these friends in high school who started going out with each other and... They would just pash publicly. You know, pashing, mouth kissing, right? Here we go, we're going to talk about pashing. Okay, so they would pash publicly like they only had four hours to live. Like all the time. It was, it was graphic uh, and it was just happening constantly uh, on, in class, on the tram, just standing near the drinking taps, even during a game of mixed netball. Seriously, like you look around and they're sucking face up the other end of the court. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. What, what, what was going on there? Why were they sort of just shoving it in our face so much? You know, like, why were they so public about it and so obvious about it? I think it's perhaps, and I can't speak for them, you know, in that particular situation, but I think this often happens because of the pressure to perform and because we have this pressure that, you need to be in a romantic relationship to be sort of a successful person at life. That they were sort of trying to prove to us that, look, you know, this is something we're doing and, you know, we are sort of successful. The thing about Jesus, though, is he calls us to love everyone, 
and cause us to love our neighbour, that's sort of, sort of anyone we come across. And, whereas romantic love calls another person to love me specifically, you know, for their, poten- their attention to be more on me than on somebody else. Now again, in its right place, I, I think this can be a good thing, but it's often misused. And I'm honestly getting pretty tired of people telling me how great their girlfriend slash boyfriend slash husband slash wife is on Facebook. It's like, we know you're into them because you're, you're going out with them. Like, we get that you're into each other. We already knew that. Um, and, you know, at what point do those sort of posts become more about the person posting proving themselves to us and showing how good they are um, or how well they're doing at life, then it becomes about saying nice things about the person that they're with. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying don't say nice things, but I think it can sometimes be a sort of showing off, boasting, almost gloating sort of thing that goes on. Uh, and if you think about it, that's not a very loving person, uh, loving thing to do to someone, to do to other people. Like, you know, a social media post you're putting out there in public, so you want other people to see it. Now, what about people who've just broken up or who've struggled for people to go out with them. You know, we, we should be starting to think about the way we conduct our relationship if you are dating someone or if you are married to them, whatever. The way you conduct your relationship does affect other people, okay? You don't start going out with someone and suddenly all your other relationships disappear. They continue to exist. And Song of Songs has this really interesting feature in it, right? It's got the voice of the woman, it's got the voice of the man, and every now and then it's got the voice of their friends, It's this really interesting thing in this poem. Their friends chime in every now and then, give them a bit of encouragement, say, we like what's going on, this is really good. And so I think, again, because it's such a a positive idea, we want to have that... If you are going out with someone, it would be ideal if your friends and family had that sort of positive response where they go, yeah, this seems like a good thing. You're not shoving it in our face. You're not being gross with too much sort of affection, you know, at the drinking taps. Like, this is actually, this is a good thing. It's something we want to support. You don't want them to feel like they're constantly sticking their finger down their throat because you, you know, you're sort of just shoving it in their face. Um, if we're to love other people as Jesus instructed, even when we are in a, that one-on-one relationship, we need to still considering other people in the way we conduct it. Romance is all good as long as it's in the right place below that love of God and that love of people that we talked about earlier. It's okay to have romantic thoughts, feelings, hopes, as long as they don't become the defining factor in our lives. Um, It's okay to be in a romantic relationship, to start dating someone, as long as it's not like about you proving something to the world uh, and using that person to sort of show how well you're doing in life. I just want to say something specifically to us at Sunday at 6. So if you're not a regular, this doesn't necessarily apply to you. It might, but I, don't, I haven't met you, so I'm not sure. But I think we've got a bit of work to do on, on this area at Sunday at 6. Um, I think we're a bit too loyal to our culture's view of romance. Um, I think a bunch of you pretty much just believe pop culture and ignore God's word on this topic. You just go with what everyone else is doing and you don't really allow yourself to be open to, the, to what the Bible teaches. So I'm suggesting it's a blind spot. And let me be clear, I'm not saying that as a sort of, you know, you guys are terrible, because hopefully from the stories I've told, it's been pretty obvious that I had a big issue with this for quite a long time. But 
if you are in that situation, if you're putting way too much focus on what our culture says, it's time to take the pressure down. It's time to slow down, chill out, understand God's love for you, start to work on loving your neighbour, take it easy on the whole dating thing. The main thing I hope that we get out tonight is that we can take the pressure down as individuals and helping each other to do that. I, I hope that we can do that because God hasn't turned the pressure up on romance. It didn't rate a mention in his top two commandments. It might not even make his top ten. That's just a guess by me. He's positive about romance. He's got a whole book in the Bible that's positive about it, but it's not at the top of his priority list for your life. If anything, the Bible is more positive about remaining single than it is about starting a romantic relationship. So let's take the pressure down, put a filter on what our culture says and look to God and each other to help us out in doing that. I'd like to pray for us now. Jordan's going to come up and say a few prayers for us. Um, now, uh, during the songs that follow, there'll be our prayer ministry team up the back there. There'll be people up the back who'd be happy to pray with you at any time uh, during those songs and, you, and then yeah, we've got time for some questions at the end. But as Jordan comes up, let me just say a sort of summary prayer for tonight's talk. Father God, we're sorry for making romance more important than it is and letting it get in the way of our love for you and our love for our neighbour. Please help us to take the pressure down, put aside confidence issues, put aside the fear of rejection, put aside the pressure to perform. I also ask, and I'm aware, Lord, that there'll be some people here tonight who will have been wounded by romantic relationships in the past in one way or another. Um, and we ask for healing for that. Um, for those who are single, we ask that they could be content. For those who are dating, we ask that they could be content. For those who are married, that they would be content knowing that your love for us is bigger than all of that. Amen.